Hey guys, welcome back to part two. We're just gonna jump right into it. Boom. Really? Was the boom necessary? Yes. Yeah. Damn it. I remember in basic training, my drill sergeant talking, and I went in with, I did not really prep any knowledge, right? Yeah. My drill sergeant's talking about how in the army, the number one thing you do is you support the infantry. So regardless of your job, you're doing fucking chores, you're doing grunt work, you're mm -hmm. doing shit to support the infantry. And he goes, all of you are gonna go do some dumb bullshit. And I was like, holy fuck what did i do and i remember thinking like i should have fucking joined the air force mm -hmm. i knew what i was getting into with the air force and i was like i fucked up and then he turns around and he points he goes except for snow i was the only military intelligence like linguist in the whole basic training right i was the total <laughs> yeah, freak yep. and he was like snow is gonna do her actual job and i almost cried oh, with relief that is amazing i was like thank <laughs> God, I'm not doing some <laughs> dumb fucking bullshit. Oh, you got saved at the last second. Oh, my God. But that, I was like, why did no one talk about that? As a civilian, yep. you don't really think about it. Nope. That's why the chore of sweeping the parking lot, yep. mopping when it is raining outside. Yep. Go mop the sidewalk yep. while it's raining. That is a legitimate chore don't piss somebody off because you're about to do some that's not even a piss someone off that's a you don't got shit to, to do keep you busy yeah it's a keep you busy paint the rocks yep very common mm -hmm. one time they had us climb into a construction dumpster to take the recycling out to put it into the recycling dumpster that was my entire day after spending a year and a half learning the language it must have been awkward when you bumped into people having sex in there how's <laughs> <laughs> that mean half million dollars spend on you go climb in that dumpster yep and that's just the army I don't know, <laughs> so I can't relate because I wasn't junior enlisted when I was doing the DLI stuff. I was already a staff sergeant, but in maintenance, I mean, sometimes the stuff they gave us to do was just literally just, oh, we don't have any vehicles for stuff. We have to make them work. So yeah. we did. Because you're going like, to get paid regardless. I you don't just out, get to go home. I cut, <laughs> I cut out foam for toolboxes where you like cut out a shape for each tool that goes in the toolbox. I remember spending three weeks just doing that. We painted the entire compound twice while I was in Okinawa. We'd walk the compound every day and pick up rocks and dirt. Yeah, like, police Side line. by side, walking straight forward, just picking up anything we see. Like, it was that shit. I was weed eating. I was cleaning things up. I was, I was the fridge person. I had to keep the fridge clean. I think that's the one thing at the military that surprises people the most, is you're getting paid regardless, and yep. that doesn't mean you get to do nothing. That means they're gonna have you do shit. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna make you do something they don't want to do. Yes. I mean, to be fair, I've done that. So it's yeah, I've been on the other side of the coin because I'm yeah, tired. You but <laughs> you senior NCO. Yes, I think I've even dumped a few things on you. Yeah, I don't think I ever cursed you. It was usually admin work, which I yeah better to do bullshit admin work than Hell, bullshit physical yeah. labor. Jesus, bullshit we, physical as labor. As we establish the, the introvert status, we have like oh working God. on a computer just. I, yeah, I can do that. I don't know how I managed to sham my way out of not mowing ever, but I made it through all five years, six and a half years too, because I guess in the reserves too, without having to touch a lawnmower. At one point, I That's literally legit. said I didn't know how to work one to get out of it. That's hilarious. Which I did. I had to but. teach a kid once how to sweep a broom. <laughs> can you believe that shit? So, was he lying or was he serious? No, I think he legitimately did not know. Because I mean, his parents he, did everything. I was going to say, if you've never swept, how'd that go? You just move it Your against the Your mowing story made me think of, you know what I've never done in the military ever? I've never had to observe somebody take a piss. <gasps> that I is don't, rare. I don't know how I got Okay, wait, we it. should backtrack. Yes. When you're in the military, you have to give drug samples. Regularly. All yeah. the time. Yeah. Oh my God. One Ra time someone quote got- Quote, unquote, random. Random. One time someone in my unit- 
popped hot, which is when you yep. pop for drugs, for cocaine, we got drug tested every fucking week for like a month. Yeah. Oh my God. It's not like in the civilian world where you just pee in the cup, right? And they trust you or whatever. You go in the bathroom, pee in the cup and give it Someone to Someone no, no watches cocaine. you. They have to watch the pee leave you and go into the cup. So I literally they had- bird dog your business. I had someone- pop a catcher's softball squat eye line with my crotch in front of me to watch me give my sample and i was just like what the fuck you can imagine that creates all kinds of problems for people because oh, yeah. i i don't know how it is for chicks, how did but, you dodge but it dudes like they have a real hard time with peeing in front of people like oh that. yeah like, getting performance yeah, shy you get to I think at a certain point you get used to it and you're just like, okay, I just got to make sure I have to use the bathroom and then I, I can just kind of make it work out. But there are some people who don't ever get over it. So they'll spend a, hours, a, the entire day there and they're like, oh, I have to pee really bad. But the second they have to go and the dude is just staring straight at their junk. No, it's a girl thing too. Because yeah, yeah, some people, they had to wait until the point that they would wet themselves. Yeah, they had no other option. Yeah. Otherwise, they could not do it. Which is terrible because then you have to pee so bad. You're like, I filled oh the God. cup, but give me another 13 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So in the Air Force, what they do is they hit the middle ranks with that job. Yeah. Because you have to be a certain rank be- to be allowed to reserve somebody. You've got some responsibility. you got to be the same gender. They could, they could, uh, you know, they have some leverage on you to make sure you're doing it correctly and all that other junk. So you get cycled through that. Most oh. everybody ends up doing it, if not multiple times, where you're the observer. We you're only the... had so many girls of that rank, yeah. so it was a problem for us. Yeah, I was going to get to that. So for females, it's terrible because there's only so many people they can tag. The females got hit a lot more often, but even the guys got hit fairly regularly. So I don't know how it happened, but I just didn't I didn't tell nobody that I had not been hit for it until I reached Master Sergeant. Because that was the rank where they stopped hitting you up for it. <laughs> so once I hit that, I was like, yes. I remember telling somebody, they're like, I've done it like seven times. And you, you spend the whole day or maybe three or four days just doing that, just watching people pee. Not only do they have to bird dog your junk, but they have to see whatever weird shit all these people do all day long. Crazy stories, you know, people have to take their pants all the way off. You know, different, like some people trying to pee so far away from the urinal that they get pee on their foot. And <laughs> I don't know why it's so much harder for a dude. For girls, you just might pee on your hand. <laughs> Like, it's just incredible like because i think some people just like for dudes that's like a weird taboo type thing and it's just hard for some people to handle it for me i could never look at them from the minute i walked in the bathroom <laughs> my, my my eyes i just keep them down i'd like i would like only stare down until i had the cup filled and then so yep. then it was like are they judging me is my underwear cute right because you oh can see god, it oh my god such a girl thing and then, like, sometimes you wear nasty underwear, like your old PT underwear, because if you thought you had PT, mm-hmm. and then suddenly they're like, well, the following people report to the company when that you're list came out. You're wearing your underwear available. Oh, <laughs> when you're at PT formation at 5.30 in the morning, and they pull out a list and start calling names, everyone's just like, fuck, they start fuck, sweating. fuck, fuck, yeah. fuck, fuck, Because then, of course, you've already peed. Yep. So then you got to go there and start just slamming water. Uh, some people are just like, I don't want to do this any more than you. They're as casual as they can be about it. Yeah. They try not to Creep stare too away. much. Yeah. yeah, they'll kind of like drift away a little bit. But there are legit people who are so ate up that they'll criticize you on oh, what see, you're doing. So my one friend in the Navy loved to fuck with people. So he get like real close behind them and like whisper in their ear and shit while they were doing it. Yeah, I don't think that happened in the Air Force because I'm pretty sure you would get actually in trouble. Oh, probably. Yeah. This is a few years ago but, too. Uh, can you imagine just being an observer and somebody just stares you dead eye the whole time they're doing it? <laughs> 
Like, uh, if I'm going to be uncomfortable with this, you're going to be uncomfortable with it. Oh, God. Yeah, whenever someone talks about, like, oh, this is uncomfortable, I'm like, well, you don't know what it's like in the military. And that's usually the one I pull out. You ever have someone watch you pee from, like, a foot away? Yeah, it's intense. I know the first drug test I took for the job I'm working now, and she was like, yeah, just go in the bathroom, come here, and bring Wasn't it back it when weird? you're done. And I'm like, wow. Okay. In my head, I was like, what if it's fake pee? Like, I know. What, how, I know. Do you, how do you know? How do you know? <laughs> It was so strange and uninvasive. I, I know. 21 and a half years of my life. I still being got nervous when I did it too because I was like, oh, PTSD flashbacks. I know. <laughs> what if I do it wrong? What if I can't pee? <laughs> wow. That was us going that was. sideways. Well, so that just made me think of, you know, in Texas once, I was like, okay, I can give a sample. But then I got there and there's my tank was empty and the lady yelled at me. I am on the toilet. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I just can't go. And she bitch me the fuck out and just had me sit on the toilet because she thought I was performance shy and yep. I'm like no really there's just no pee so in every urine sample now I just get flashbacks to that bathroom in Texas yeah, that was the most horrific time of my military you career, tell me stories attention. like that and I'm always like I, I don't I had know, things I don't like know that. how I would handle that I had like the day after my friend kills himself and I find out about it my NCO called me a piece of shit and a waste of time by the army because I didn't complete an online training yeah. Like, I mean, that's just kind of army. Yeah. I don't know if we're Good convincing people to join the I'm army. I'm not saying to join the army. I know. <laughs> I'm saying join the Air Force. I'm wondering if we're like de-incentivizing. People are like, man, I can't wait. This sounds like a great episode. Oh, wait, what? Stare at me? What? No. I know. No. That, was like a, that was like 15 minutes while people watching us pee. Yeah. I just, it's so funny. Like, that's the shit that I mean, you the talk least about. they could do is stroke your hair or something. <laughs> <laughs> I just pull on my ponytail a little. Pull, oh, my God. <laughs> hey you want to do the shake (laughs) well one of our topics is what military life is like i think that was good yeah i think we covered that kind of well yeah to be fair to sum it up i joined the military to take care of my family and it's what it did i'm i don't regret it most of the time it's a it's something you work at and you do and the military life you get used to it after like a year and a half or two years it's It's like it's like normal life you don't even think about it it's so true i think at first it's like you drink the kool-aid you love oh, it. Oh, very true, very true. Then you become very disillusioned by yep. it. Then you even out. Yep. That My recruiter, I remember when I first time was like, you should do five years, not four, because at five years, you got a little bit of rank. You've gotten used to it. Around four years, you might still be in that disillusion part. And so yep. if you're not even considering re-upping, that's pretty true, honestly. It's very accurate, very yeah. accurate. You definitely go through exactly those stages. Because I, I know once I got out of that, like afterwards, I'm like, I can do this. This is easy. I could do this for the rest of my career. And that's what yep. I did. And as you go up in rank, that kind of bullshit goes away. You get some different bullshit, but it's mostly stuff. If you're competent, you can manage fairly easy. So. And I think, you know, when I joined, a lot of rec- like advice I got was like, there's just a lot of bullshit. Even now, I still say there's a lot of bullshit in civilian life. The shit I deal with at my civilian job that I'm just leaving now is like intense. And like I would bring it home. It hit my mental health in the Mm -hmm, same way, mm -hmm. right? That's going to be dependent on your personality and how you deal with things. The difference is, is when the bullshit hit me at work, I applied to grad school. I could have quit. In the military, the bullshit can happen on a Saturday morning. It can happen at midnight. Yeah, it can happen at Saturday, 2 a.m. You have to deal with it. And if you don't like it, well, you just have to wait seven years until your contract's up. Yeah, and that's <laughs> the thing. I mean, when I talk about like some horror stories about my NCO calling me a piece of shit, that's not normal, Yeah, but it's going to happen to everybody. Yeah. So it is normal. But then it's like, you've got your squad to help you deal with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not going to complain to anybody because nothing's technically against like rags or you know no one's gonna get in trouble for it and then you know eventually the nco got kicked out for being too fat 
and he was a fucking piece of shit anyway and everyone hated him but like of course so like shit you know shit passes so there's always gonna be shit so basically yeah. just like in the civilian world there are douchebags it's, it's just an intensity deal with uh the main difference between that and normal life once you get adjusted to it is that you can't leave when you want Yes, and you can't change where you're going, and that was the one thing. And you're in a shitty unit yep. that does you're stuck there for years. Yeah, that's how it is. That's why a lot of military have a hard time when they transition, is because they've gotten used to the structure, but the structure is so much more mushy on the civilian side. So that's where the military has a hard time adjusting because it's a lot softer approach for things. And I think it's interesting. So you went out as a higher rank, right? Yeah. So your description is about leadership. Yes. For me, as a lower enlisted, your life is very directed. Yep. People are telling you what to do and where to go. And very you don't true. have a lot of control over it. And so me getting out, there was a total loss of that. And while that's really, I mean, it's a freedom and great in a lot of ways, I struggled really hard at my job because I wanted my boss to check emails, before, yep. like my larger sent emails. I wanted, I mean, I didn't need her to tell me what to do every day because I did have that independence already. And mm -hmm. I think part of that was being older and having gone to school. But I wanted to check with her when I took lunch, yep. when I left for the day. I mean, there's a structure that absolutely disappears. Yep. So that structure is good for some people. Some people really thrive in that. And that's why they love the military. And it, it worked well for me. I don't regret joining. I don't regret having been forced to stay in. It worked great for my family. Uh, and now I get paid for the rest of my life. So I don't mind that too much either. Yeah. I wouldn't change anything, even though I had a harder time and my mental health took a pretty big hit. And I think yeah. that just had to do with a lot of my personality to handling things. I absolutely would redo the exact same situations I was in again, for sure. So we talked a lot about like what it's like, and I think we're up at kind of the point of like transition. Yeah, we, I mean, we pretty much started heading into that on how transitioning from the military, and this is really more important for any current serving people who are curious, what it's like to go from the military to the civilian world and to make that shift. And that's kind of one of the key drivers for us to do this podcast was to kind of like share our experiences that we had. And Sarah has a distinctly different experience than I do. I retired from the military. She's separated from the military. She's getting disability. I apply for disability. But there's all these pieces that we felt like we could talk about and kind of give somebody, a, hopefully in a fun way, some information about it. So do you want to talk about your transition first? Sure. Yeah. I would say if you're non-military, well, this might be interesting. It's probably going to not be as interesting. Uh, I've talked about a couple of times about like the military was hard for me mental health wise. Well, I think this is an important part of my transition. While I was in, I struggled for years with an undiagnosed eating disorder, which I finally recognized and got help for while I was in, which was great. And as part of that, you know, I had a lot of mental health stuff like anxiety and things. And the military is a feeding ground for eating disorders, I will say, because you have to meet weight and you have to meet tape and there's a lot of fat shaming. Mm -hmm. Didn't have literally a single problem before I went in. And I'm not saying it. A lot of people get them just because of the culture. Yep. And that's just a fact. Bad, good, whatever. So coming out, I had been in therapy for a couple years. I was in a pretty good place. At that point, I'd had two shoulder surgeries. I was having pain in my other shoulder that hadn't had the surgeries. I also, at that point, had permanent damage in my ankle, which still, I mean, it's permanent. It's like a lifelong thing from the running issues and then mm -hmm. it was undiagnosed and you know my nco is a dli's love sergeant henry terrible advice at the time 
run on it till it breaks. So we should pause for a second and say, you know, when it comes to physical fitness in the in the military, you might presume that it's very well organized and very no. regimented, but usually it's just some dumbass being in charge of exercising and then they don't have to be trained. Yes. So you get people who are sometimes trying to take a group of people really out of shape and get them to do P90X in one fucking hour. Well, in the army's a little different. I will say that's Air Force. Yeah, that is Air Force there. Because in the army, you have very specific, it's like our PT. It's like very regimented. They have to get trained on and you're only allowed to do those exercises. Oh, yeah. So there is some fix for that. But there's a lot of the mentality of you can be very army fit for our test and yep. not be in shape. Oh, yeah, very much. For so, sure. Yeah, definitely with the Air Force. All the, yeah, yeah, all the branches. Yep. Well, um, there's an older mentality in, in the you know grunt world of when you are broken, you go on something called a profile, which doesn't allow you to do certain things. And that is really, really looked down on in the military. And yeah. I lived like my entire career in profile. My, if you're on profile, usually you're not deployable, which is a big deal. Which is a problem. And they lead you to getting kicked out eventually. Well, when I was in training, I injured my ankle and I kept running on it. Cause, you know, that was the thing is you didn't get a profile, especially in training. So I ran and ran and ran until I couldn't walk on it. And I was in excruciating pain. Finally get a profile. It's tendonitis. Take these many weeks off. Mm-hmm. Come off profile. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And you just run so much, it hurts it again. So mm-hmm. then I go back on profile. And so I went through this cycle until the tendons and ligaments got all fucked up and like thickened. And so basically now I can't run or walk fast on my ankle. Sarah's a zombie's dream. I, I seriously worked like, at a desk. Oh my desk. God, zombies are coming. Oh wait, Sarah's with us. We're good. I can't even walk fast. Take <laughs> that good. one. Take that one. Um, the zombies are moving faster than Sarah. <laughs> so yeah, so coming out of transition, mental health, good place finally, but I'm yep. fucking busted as shit. Yep. So I was ready to get out. I had a string of shitty NCOs. The one who told me I was a piece of shit couple that just sucked couple that just didn't care i had a first sergeant that was notorious in the fucking army because she reported some lore enlisted on facebook comments they made and got them like kicked mm-hmm. out she got this high level of war i mean horrible first sergeant anyway so that was i had a string so i was ready to get out so i'm coming out of transition and i'm like i'm good right I'm fucking done. Fuck the army, right? Like everyone knew me. I was like set. I'm moving home. I love Minnesota. I'm moving back to my family. Like I thought for sure I'd be good. And transition as ready as I was and hyped and ready to be done hit me so hard in ways I did not expect. And that's really why I wanted to talk about this. So we talked a lot about like the tra- loss of everything. You also lose that sense of community we talked yeah. about. Even in the Air Force, you lose that. Yeah. And I think that's common for all the branches is no matter how shitty things went, I had an NCO I could go to. I had people in my unit that knew the struggles I was going through, that I talked with at PT. And an identity, like you an know, identity. As, as a person there, like, yep. that's uh, part of who you were and it's gone now. Yep. And even though uh, consciously, it's not like I had conscious thoughts about it, but you know, I started struggling with anxiety. Mm-hmm. I started having constant panic attacks my obsessive compulsive disorder, which apparently had been a thing while I was in, blew up. I mean, I could barely function at my civilian job that I got. Insomnia started. And I think that's common. It's interesting now my grad's going back going back for social work with an emphasis with military. And I wrote my paper for application on the importance of understanding military culture when you support military people. And one thing I read a lot about is they're recognizing transition anxiety as a ailment yeah. hitting service members when they leave, regardless if you've ever had anxiety. Yes. It's a very common thing. And whether you're conscious of it or not, the transition hits you hard. I think they're like literally labeling it 
transition anxiety yeah and it can last up to like two years yeah and i think it's something you have to keep in mind if you're going to train when you transition out that it doesn't matter how much you think you have all your things set up and you're all good to go there's going to be a void that comes because you're no longer in that military like that's all gone and it's going to hit you mentally some way and i think too like i didn't expect it because i was in the absolute best place possible to transition i moved home to my parents house yep. which was we had an entire basement we were in temporarily waiting right we were paying off debt my husband had a job before we even moved home i had a job within a month we were making more than before so like right all the boxes on paper i'm fully ready and good i'm set i looked like i'd be fine and coming out as a linguist like we talked about like you're in a different world than yep. regular military so yep. I worked at an intelligence agency where 60% of the population was a civilian. I was used to working with civilians. I, I worked a different life than regular army. I had never deployed. You know, to me, it's like I only served five years and I never had a deployment. I don't have PTSD. Like, I don't deserve to feel this way. And that's yeah. still a feeling that I have. I don't deserve to receive my disability that I have. You have to yeah. check yourself. There's some guilt for that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, like, the average military person does a contract or two and gets out and you might not feel like you deserve to pull those VA benefits or to like ask for the assistance and that it's a thing that all of us struggle with. And so don't think that you have to be worse to get care. Yes, absolutely. Take care of yourself. That whole sense of do I even deserve? I mean, I have that and I served a full career. A lot of my issues never got addressed in the military. I came up in a different time, of course. So it was a lot more like, you know, they started saying, you know, mental health's okay and stuff like that, but it still wasn't. It was still affecting people's careers. So by the time I, when I applied for my disability, I have anxieties and stuff like that I've never faced. And so now that I'm forced to face them, it's, you know, it's kind of scary. I got myself into a zone while I was in the military and I just accepted it. I was like, I have to just suck it up and press on from that old school mentality, push it down, press forward. And I did that to the point where it was just starting to unravel near the end. And thank God I was getting out because I don't know that I would have been able to keep pushing because it was starting to get so hard to do all that. Well, so. I think it's easy in the military too. Everybody is struggling yes. with something and there's a level of anger and like bitterness that there's the point that it's like funny and it's okay. Yep. But there's the point that it's masking more. And I think that literally every single person I thought about struggled with shit and you're bitter and angry. And it's so accepted that you can deal with it in that environment in an unhealthy way because yes. everybody's coping. But when you get out, that's not it. And suddenly you've lost that. Yeah. They didn't really hear anything I told them. They would just talk about physical symptoms and that's it. So when I first talked to my uh, doctor about it, she's like, you have all these self-defense mechanisms and coping mechanisms you established from 15, 20 years of doing this that you think are normal. When she started breaking it down, I was like, yeah, that's just every day. And she's like, that is not normal. Basically, my point of that is you need to start take care of yourself now. I don't care if you're about to get six months out. Go and, and start taking care of yourself. Once you're gone, you're not part of that anymore and they're not going to care. And now you're left with you and what, what you built over your life. It's a lot easier with your generation because they accept mental health a lot better. Yeah, um, I think in the military, not as much, but... Yeah, it's true, but it's still getting better it's than better, it was. Yeah. Even in my job, when I was, you know, I started getting really discontent 
a year out Mm -hmm. when I was feeling better still about my job feeling empty and it was the same thing. He was like, you joined the military to serve and you've lost your entire identity and nothing in the civilian world generally equals that. I mean, you can become a cop and that's similar, but the community and that the job supersedes all else you can't find and he's like and i think you need to really reevaluate because like you can find it in other ways and that's when i ended up applying to grad school because so i'm going for social work with military and it's i want to go back to work with military because that's my community yes. but also to me it feels like that job is something that's a full like I, you identify as more yes. and i think that's just true too I'm not saying you'll get anxiety when you transition out or anything else, but like at the end of the day, at minimum, you're going to lose the camaraderie and that sense of identity and nothing is going to fully replace that. Yeah, you're going to have a reckoning when you come to realize that and have to deal with it. And it's definitely not right away because it's like the military, right? First you get out, you're elated. You You celebrate the freedoms. Maybe you smoke some pot for the first time, right? Like you're going to like, I dyed my hair hot pink. I yep. started piercing all types of shit because you could. I had a manicure all the time, like, and then it settles. All I do is not shave every week or two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I keep telling you, let's pierce your fucking eyebrow, but you yeah. won't do it. Yeah, that's not good. I mean, you're like a 48-year-old man. I feel like yeah, you shouldn't do that. It would be creepy if I did that. Whatever. Yeah. It's just like going to a doctor for a checkup, but it's for your mental health half of my therapies i feel totally fine and we bullshit about D and whatever the fuck i feel but you know what it's someone you talk to that's impartial and it's trained to like give you good advice yes so even if you're a hundred percent fine i could not recommend more to get out and start getting therapy either through the va or if you get a job and you elect for their health insurance it is worth the cost yeah i agree 100 percent. you need somebody to kind of like that wall to talk to that's not part of your regular life i think and expect unfortunately they're not going to be military no most likely most likely even through the va mine weren't and so that's one thing is when you get out, you end up spending a lot of time explaining to civilians at your new civilian job with your yes. civilian friends. They won't get it. And so it can get really frustrating. And especially with like a therapist or a doctor, they can be frustrating. You got out after your first rotation. Mm-hmm. I'm retiring after an entire career in the military. So I'm at this weird nexus now. Part of me wants to do the super easy job, right? I did a really hard job for a long time. Now I just want to do something easy where I don't have to think. I'm getting military retirement. It's going to augment anything that I earn already. So that's why I got an IT job. It's super easy for me. I struggle sometimes really hard with the same thing you were. Maybe I'm just tailing behind on the timeline because I got out later than you. Yeah, mine was out a year later than me. So is this going to be what I want? Is this going to fulfill me enough down the road? And I just don't even know if it is. We always joked in the military, what do I want to do when I grow up? I, I got a kind of idea what I want to do, but I, I don't have it nailed down. And so that's part of my stress I've been having lately is I don't know where I want to take my career or my life. I got lucky. Sarah got me an internship where she was working. I he got, was a terrible candidate. No, I got kidding. pulled in for an internship and they wanted to hire me right away. So I finished my internship and they hired me right out the gate, which is super awesome. So I got into a very good place considering how bad things got this year. Uh, We've been very fortunate. I can do my entire job from my desk in my my office. But I'm just like, five years from now, is that what I want to do? Do I want to be just doing the same thing? And I don't know that I do. And you will struggle with that. 
because you have to commit to something at some point, like you just did with the school, right? Yeah. You know, you wavered too. You're like, is this the right thing? Should I be doing this? And I agree with your therapist. You will find value. You will feel a connection that you lost when you left the military. And that feeling you're giving back is going to make you more fulfilled. And I think the retired point's really good because you've had an entire career. So where we worked before we got Alex Martin, I worked at the same place. I help people with resumes and a few retirees I talked to. And it was like, do I continue in this management path or do I reset kind of? And I had a similar question, too, from people with one contract because a lot of them didn't have their bachelor's degree. Mm -hmm. So it was like, you have these education benefits or do you work? And, you know, when I got out, I really thought about going back for my MBA right away. And I'm so grateful I didn't because I think that when you get out, school is such a nice thing to go into. It's a soft transition. Mm -hmm. But because you kind of go through this wave of I'm happy to be out and I'm fine with doing anything. And then you really settle, I think, into your long term version. I almost would recommend to get out and work. Regardless if you retire or you don't have, I mean, if you don't have a degree and you're going to be working some bullshit, right? Go, you're going to have a couple years of your undergrad crap before you finalize a major anyway. But it's a ebb and flow of like a personality change when you get out. And so let yourself get used to it. And how Martin said, you know, at first it's like, you know, he could have said, I'm going to do this job for forever. And now he's like, well, really, now that I'm settled and this is my empty life that I'm about to stare at till I die. (laughs) Thanks. I mean, but like four years from now, same thing. I just turned 30 and I'm probably going to work till I die. Now that I'm settled and I'm a little more civilianized, you have options you can use if you use them too soon. You might corner yourself. It's like a new relationship. You don't want to make decisions during the honeymoon period. Like that's not the time to do it. The time to do it is later when it's more mature. It's kind of the similar thing. When you get out of the military, there is a euphoria. You're like, I don't got to do this. I don't ever have to write another performance report. Fuck your form, whatever, ever, ever. You know, I don't have to do any of that. That dude can go fuck himself. I don't give a shit about him. I am free. You know what? I'm sleeping in today. Fuck you, motherfuckers. That goes on for a little while, but then it's going to go away. And if you committed to something pretty hardcore while you were in that phase because you thought that was going to be where you want to go, you may come to realize that is not what you wanted. Or I'd say if you're about to get out, really think about it ahead of time. Absolutely. It's like when you're in a senior in high school and you're starting to like work out what you want to do long term. Yeah. Figure it out early or give yourself some time. That's a perfect way to put it. Yeah. So what I'm saying is I didn't figure it out early. Yeah. He just let me puppeteer his whole life. It's going well, though. Sarah has had an inordinate influence on things that have happened in my life recently. I'm still betting 10 bucks that you end up going for a master's in social work. Let's just wait and see. I'm not sure that I could do it. We'll see. We'll see. (laughs) So some tip stuff. I think one reason that I really specifically brought up my laundry list of mental health issues It has to do with applying for disability. When you go to transition, it's, oh my God, there's so much shit you go through and you sit through all this fucking bullshit VA stuff and this Department of Labor crap. Jesus Christ, so much of it's worthless. And you are weeding, it seems like so much I never weeded through any of it. I mean, I guess I did. It's almost overwhelming, I think. Yeah. Especially in the day and age where now they give you handouts and PowerPoints more often than they do talk to you. Like it's so much information. When you're just going to ask your buddy, right? Yeah. Amber already uses her GI Bill. I have questions. I just ask Amber. Yep. Because, I mean, it's like the barracks lawyers, right? Yes. Everyone, other people who've done it know better than the professionals. Yes. <laughs> but so when it comes to your disability, I remember being confused because it was brief, but it's like the number one most important shit when you're getting out is really your disability. Is. And I remember them being like, you need copies of your medical records. I heard that and I, 
I was like, okay, I'm not going to apply for my disability before I get out because mm-hmm. I'm still getting treated for my shoulder. Mm-hmm. I did not need a fucking copy of my medical records. I could have done that shit before I got out. So some of that, just do it. But with your disability, if you apply, it's like less than 90 days before separation, but more than 45 or 180 yes. and 40. Yep, there's, yep, a, yep. there's a window that if you have put in your disability claims, then you get fast tracked. Yes. And that's significant because the VA takes a very long time. Very fucking long time. I cannot emphasize more. Turn your shit in then. Go to the fucking people and turn your shit in then. We, we should note that neither of us did that. Neither of us did that because of my medical records. <laughs> yes. I was like, well, I, need co- no, I didn't need fucking anything. So that's why I'm like, fuck this. So one thing you can get is a VA rep. And they are crazy helpful. Yes. It's a... Uh, VSO. VSO. If you Google VSO, it's your veteran service... Isn't it VSCO? Veteran service county officer? Veteran service officer? They're supplied through your county. Yes. So, like, you can look up your v- local VSO. And so the way it worked is, like, I looked up my VSO. I lived in something called Dakota County in Minnesota. Emailed them. I get an appointment. I went in and I was like, look... I just got out. I need disability. I'm busted as fuck. And he was like, okay. So he broke down the whole thing about disability because it's confusing, right? Mm, yeah, it's got to be service related or aggravated by service. It can be connected. You can get this and this. And I almost ripped out a front tooth and I was in the military, right? So I wanted to put in for that. And it was like, well, because your tooth isn't dead yet, it doesn't count. And they know all this shit. So I was like, okay. So he was like, so let's put in your claim. Okay, so all I had to do was go talk through everything I claimed and like explain what it was in detail to him. And he did all the typing. He filled out all the forms. You sign the thing so that they can rep you. And then they submit all the shit for you. Then when stuff came back because they needed supplemental blah or this or that, he contacted me or I reached out to him if it came to me. And I was like, look, this I remember one time I had to submit a form and he was like, okay, I'm going to mail you this form. Here's what you have to do with it. Inside the envelope will be an envelope to send it back. All you got to do is sign it and send it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's literally stupid proof. So I would definitely recommend getting a VSO. Yeah, absolutely. They even recommend that when you're in. Oh, mine didn't really emphasize it. it. Oh, well, they definitely They were like, you can do this. Oh, well, it's because you were getting out first term and it's not so- Army. Army also. Okay, yeah, yeah, army. Good point. But uh, they definitely, for retirees, emphasized getting a VSO because most government processes and programs are labyrinthian nightmares to navigate. So this is no different. And the VA seems to be especially good at making things Mm -hmm. obtuse and really hard to decipher. There's a lot of retirees who still don't do it. Yeah. And which is insane because just out the bat, like no matter what, like I had tinnitus from like freaking year two because I was a mechanic. Tinnitus is a ringing in your ears. Ringing in your ears because I was a mechanic and there's lots of loud noise and it didn't get better over the years. That's an automatic 10%. Does that mean anything? So if you don't, they're not on the hook for any of that. If I went deaf, my ear problems could be tied to my military service, but I never bothered to claim it. It's really hard to prove after you're out. And that's the thing is like when they, they'll tell you this, right? You're going to put in for everything. Yep. Every single thing that's ever gone wrong with you, even if you're sure you're going to get denied it, like I knew my teeth would get denied, yep. you're going to put it in because you could get a 0%, which means they recognize that shit's fucked up, but it's not like fucked up yet. Yeah. And that just means that when it gets worse, we've already recognized that the military caused this problem and it's easier to say- yes. 
okay, yes, now this is a problem, then be like, this is a problem and it has to do with my military service 10 years later, how hard is it to prove that it's related to your military yeah, a perfect, time? A perfect example would be knees. Yes. Like if a young person, especially in the in the army and stuff like that, where they do a lot of hard things on the knees. Or maybe, your back. Maybe it does, or, or your back. Maybe you don't feel it immediately because you're young and your body hasn't hit you yet. Having that on your record, that 0% means they acknowledge it was there. So when something does go wrong and they're like, you know, you can go back to VA and say, hey, Here's what my doctor says, and they will give you a new evaluation on that. Yeah, and that's important, too, because if you need to get military care taken on it, you want to make sure that they'll pay for it. Oh, yeah. The 0% also means that they'll look at it. Yeah. So the VA will. Yeah, I mean, it's basically like if you, well, one, when shit's broken, and this is a thing in the Army is you tend to just suck it up and not go to the doctor. Well, if it's not on your medical record, they could be like, well, you probably fucked it up afterwards, and you're just lying. So one, go to the doctor, even though the culture is to not, you should get it on your record. Well, and you're lucky. So as a retiree, they count everything pre-existing. Well, it's a little easier. Yeah, you have a better flexibility. Yes. Yes. When you don't retire, they don't count shit pre-military. So it's definitely a lot harder to prove. Yep. So if you've ever gone to the doctor for anything in your time, put in a disability for it. Yes. Yeah. It's legitimate. Yep. So for the non-military or the military that don't really understand how it works, the way disability works is you get assigned a percentage based on everything you applied for. At 30%, you get basically a tax break. What happens is they will cover part of your disability with a fund that is tax-free dollars instead of, for this is for retirees, instead of like taxable retirement income. I don't know how it works for 30% for you guys. Non-retirees, at a certain percentage, you start getting money every month. Yeah. Is it 50? I think it's still 50. No, I think it's like 30. For retirees, I'm getting a retirement check every single month. So if I hit 30, whatever they're going to give me for disability is taken off that retirement check. So that means that I'm still getting the same amount of money. I'm just not paying as much taxes at the end of the year because all disability is tax-free. Once you hit 50% for retirees, you start getting what's called concurrent pay. So if I have enough disability that puts me at 50, I get paid disability and my full retirement. And if you're not a retiree at a certain percentage, you start getting a check every month. Yes. So um, I'm at 70%. So And like every five, I think, does it jump up a full 10 or can you do fives? I've only ever really heard rounded to the 10, but it goes up depending. And then at a certain point, you can be 100% disabled, unemployable or 100% employable. Those are very difficult to get. And I know one person with it. He's 100% unemployable. And I mean, he's like real fucked up. Yeah, usually to get that level, you have to be really have some legitimate full-fledged, like I can't actually work no matter what. Yeah, which like his is. So we talked about there's that fancy window before you get out. There's also like a fancy window. I don't know if it's for sure like a specific window when you get out. There is. To be fast-tracked though. Oh, to fast-track? No. I don't, I don't think there's a fast-track. No, I put not. in my shit like three, because I, you start your terminal leave early, you know? So I went in and talked to the guy before I technically was out out because I was already back in Minnesota. Yeah. And so my paperwork actually got filed like four days after I officially left. But they, you know, start processing stuff based on when they receive it. And it's important because if you submit your paperwork within the first year of you yeah, getting out, year. if you get pay, right? So like I get so much pay as because I put in for the first year, it gets backdated to the day you leave the military. Yep. If you put it in three years later, it's from whenever you submitted your paperwork, yep. which is a huge change in money. Because if you think if, if you get $2,000 a month, you could have, you just missed out on three years worth. 
Yep. That you would have gotten then. So I just submitted mine because all my anxieties kind of made me really avoid it for a long time. But I submitted mine a week before my year. But because I submitted it in less of the year, I will be back paid whenever they finish. And that's another thing we'll talk about is the length. <laughs> whenever they finish, if they give me 50% or more, I will get back paid all the way back to the day I left the military. So I'll get all those months all in one big lump sum. All tax free. All tax free. That. So I got a big chunk tax. So I just submitted mine. And to give you an idea of how long the VA takes, I just submitted mine. And the first initial projection for when it will be done is January of 2022. So a year and a half from now, they might be done. So imagine the dates move. So this will probably change to be much closer. Or later. That means at that date, if I get 50% or more, I'm getting paid from January 22 all the way back to August of 2019. All those months in one big chunk. And then paid every month after that. So it's important. Yes. And Within a year for sure so that you can get back paid because you're throwing money away if you're not. I mean, it takes a long time, which is why we emphasize doing it before you get out. Yes. I did my... Mine went through... Yeah, yours went... Quote, unquote, quick. Yours actually went pretty fast. Yeah. I submitted in June. I had a decision initially done like right before the new year. So yeah. like December. So it took six months and they didn't do two of my claims. So I had to rebut it. Because I'd literally had surgery on the one. It's like, how do you not? Anyway, that's going to happen. You're almost always going to appeal some shit. So the appeal went through and then it took like another four months for the appeal. So, I mean, mine went through fast and because it was short of a total year and I did not appeal again, even though one of my things really I could have gotten a higher percentage on, but I was like, you know what? I'm done. Even once you apply for disability, You have to do your appointments to get everything checked. And I remember I couldn't go to my one appointment, my rep. So then I had to resubmit my claim to get an appointment re-requested. I mean, that delayed me. I mean, so a rep or someone is just very helpful. So as as a retiree, I can get VA health care because I retired from the service. But your situation is different. Yeah. I work in HR right now. So, you know, we deal with benefits. And I think that's too why, like, I see a lot of this is... A lot of the regular civilian employees I support have military kids, and I've given some of them this information, and it's like, it just doesn't seem that common. So when you are getting out of the military, you get six months of coverage through your military insurance, and that is really important. It's like TAMP. It's like transitional assistant something. But anyway, you got six months with insurance before you got to figure out your life, and that's a lot. I went into the reserves, so I ended up using the military reserve insurance, not civilian health care. So I actually don't know a whole lot besides because I qualified at such a high percentage, I get VA healthcare, everything covered and at no cost to me. Yeah. That's another thing when with disability is that once your percentage is high enough, you start getting a lot of side benefits that are not money related, like healthcare coverage and things like that. Yeah. Like I didn't know that. So I'm in like group one because of my percentage for VA healthcare. I didn't even know that, yeah, you can get healthcare, but like you might have to pay for a certain level of your prescriptions or like co-pays. That's a thing with VA healthcare. So like that's why disability is important too. Because I think, I mean, pretty low disability percentages starts covering you for that. Or it's like, I think if you have the zeros, like, yeah, you might be paying like co-pays and things, but when it relates to that specific disability, it's 100% covered, like some stuff like that. For the retirees, you have the same window, but you can elect to keep TRICARE. You pay, and it's some ridiculously low amount when you think about insurance. Like, I think for my insurance family- is stupid expensive. Yeah. For my family, it's like $600 a year. 
Which is like nothing. To be covered completely by TRICARE. And that's all they're covered with. I have my company insurance. I have that insurance. I'm probably going to drop it. So that I was going to say, I don't know why you have it. Yeah, I'm just going to take VA. I did it for the disability stuff Mm -hmm. and the uh, therapy stuff. I I wanted to go external. But I have that, but I'm going to kick to this curb soon because I have VA coverage. As long as I pay that, they're covered and I'm covered for the rest of my life because I retired as military. Every month, I get like 26 emails from the VA. Oh my God. It's like they send it in one batch. They do. It is one batch. It's It's the worst. It's like a running joke with me and some of the other retirees. Well, and you know, uh, my dad's a Navy brat, so his dad, my grandpa, was in the Navy, and he never had disability, and so I guess, like, when I got mine, like, mine's high, right? Mm-hmm. I guess he was, like, a little bitter or something, because, like, he never could get any, and he's all fucked up, and it was because he didn't apply when he got out, and how do you that many years later prove it has correlation yeah. to your military service? I mean, it was totally, that's, like, a generational thing, per- too, but... perfect example of somebody who, who you let it go too long, and then... It- you can never tie it back. And, and you know, the big thing is, is you're like living with it the rest of your life. Yeah. And he was a retiree, right? He had VA yep. health care. Sure, they covered it all, but he didn't get monthly payments. Yep. I literally like I'm surviving partway off my disability payments. It, it's an important thing. And it's, it's pretty nebulous. Sometimes you think, oh, you know, this doesn't impact me. And I talk about my anxiety stuff. When the doctor laid that all out and I saw it, it does impact me intensely. Like, I just never had accepted it. It's the same with physical ailment. Your military kind of tells you to kind of learn to deal with it, and you just do. Like, my wrist is jacked up. I can't put weight on it in the right way, and I've just kind of dealt with it forever. That's the military's fault. And I think, I mean, I mentioned, too, like, the guilt. Like, I think that's another thing is it's like, oh, I'm not that busted. Well, I feel that way a lot until I take Motrin all the time because I'm in chronic pain for my shoulders and my ankle, you know, I'm having panic attacks regularly at work, so I'm in the bathroom trying to like hold on to my fucking sanity while I'm at my civilian job. I mean, there's nothing like having a migraine all the time at work, especially when it gets so bad you have to say, I got to leave. Yeah, it impacts you and your military service cause or aggravates it. Yeah, when it comes to like, um, we've talked about like the VA healthcare a little bit, applying for it is like crazy easy. If you just like Google the VA healthcare, you can put in your request for it. What? I haven't done that yet. Well, it's, it's the same. It's the it same takes thing, like right? three seconds. I know, but my brain's like. I will literally say you down and do it. But you go in and you like put in your stuff. And because they just pull your military records, they send you like the decision on like your group and basically what your coverage will entail. And if you have costs associated, blah, blah, blah. It's really easy for me, navigating the system is seems similar to military healthcare. Um, I'm starting to get like all my care now through them. So like a PCM I got set up with, I'm starting to do my therapy through them, yep, my yep. psych meds and all that. You know, there's an appointment line I call. And then the nice thing is, is like lately I try to make an optometry appointment. They're booked out till October. Well, they do the community care option. If there's no appointments within a certain time and you need care, you can go to a civilian provider and it's all covered. So a lot of those laws have been passed That's in the good. last few years as, you know, people are like dying for healthcare at VAs and stuff. And we're fortunate in Minnesota, the VA system's like relatively really good because yeah. we're not overloaded with military people. And on the East Coast, it definitely like sucks a lot more because it's so Saturated, full. yeah, it's saturated. So I think in those cases, like the only thing I'd say is like, it'd be really good as supplemental. Don't forget things like that. Like you can have your regular insurance in your VA. So you can go to the VA for some expensive ass shit. And do your regular doctor out of pocket because you're going to have deductibles to meet anyway. So don't be afraid of things like that. I think that was pretty much everything we're going to cover. You want to tell a funny boot camp story? I feel like that's not my funniest story. Funniest military story. Okay. So we end on a good note. 
I got a couple. So you tell them as many as you will alternate back and forth and we'll go from there. Okay. I guess I, I feel like I don't have that many. So many of mine are inside jokes, you no. know? Well, so it is the boot camp story. Ha ha! So funny military story for me. So uh, I'm in boot camp. And in the army boot camp, you get like three days of reception where they're like putting you through for shots and uniforms and like yep, all that bullshit yep. before you get like sent out to boot camp. And you're with drill sergeants. They're yelling at you. You're confused. There's a lot of waiting. You know, yep. you don't know what the fuck's going on. Yep. You, you shouldn't talk. You're going to get yelled at. They but, disorient you on purpose. Oh, not really in reception. It's just that it's like a fuck. Oh, fuckery. oh okay, okay. But it's like, like literally you'll get forgotten in some place because mm. they're shepherding everybody. Well, anyway. So we're in the big auditorium and they're about to give us the pills to help stop upper respiratory infections, right? But we're just waiting. And they separate boys and girls because no boys, no girls, no touchy. <laughs> no touchy. So this happened. Except for in the dumpster. That's not a basic. <laughs> oh, actually, yeah, it is. No, I mean, That's like. one of my basic training stories. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know stuff oh. happened, but oh, it was okay. pretty rare because they were pretty cracked down. But anyway, off topic. So this happened on the boys' side. So I heard the story from the boys. But apparently this one, dude, you're all sitting in the rows, right? No one's allowed to talk. Mm-hmm. He, all of a sudden, reaches over and he just violently grabs the dude next to him's arm. And he's like, I just shit my pants. <laughs> oh, my God. And he's like, you have to go to the bathroom with me. And the dude's like, what? And the whole row starts to smell it because he like diarrheaed his pants. Apparently he'd had to go, but he was like too scared to ask, which like I get it. Yeah. Which is like a weird to say, but he should have said something. So he's like, you got to fucking go with me, man. So he's like, fuck. So he gets up and he goes to the drill sergeant and he's like, I have to go to the bathroom. And you know, they're always like, oh, hold it to the break or whatever. And he's like, no, I just shit my pants. And so the drill sergeant starts yelling at him. And at this point, this is when all the girls know. He's Because he's like, why would you not fucking tell me that before you shit yourself? <laughs> <laughs> and all of us are just like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> you know? Oh, God, it was great. All right, so for boot camp, um, we call it basic training. Air Force doesn't call it boot camp. I mean, ours is basic training, too. You just boot camp's the nickname. Yeah, we never call it boot camp. Fucking chair force. Can you do me a favor and just shut the fuck up? (laughs) (laughs) So we were pretty early on. It it had to be within the first week. And this is 97? Yes. I just want to, because it was... Boot camp changes very regularly. Yeah, it is 97. Yeah, even the basic training is much different now. It was fairly early on. We didn't have uniforms yet. So we had one guy the very first day when they're just all over you, confusing you and making you do all kinds of crazy stuff. When you go, you have to do the shower. And the first day, all you're doing is literally just walking through some shower heads and they're walking out. This one guy, and I'm going to call him Steve. Steve hid in the corner like it was we were about to do a train on him. It was very strange. So that was the first that we knew that Steve was a little odd. So we go to do our... There's always weirdos. Yeah. We go to do our uniform issue. That's where they take us all to the uniform issue place. We're all given whatever is according to our sizes. So the TI, technical instructor, can't... Air Force drill sergeant. Yeah. Air Force drill sergeant. Can't be everywhere. So what he would do is he's like, okay, you guys are going to get your boots. I'm going to go over it. These guys are going to get their uniforms, whatever the case may be. So Steve tells the civilians working there what his sizes are and they bring it to him and he puts it on and they notice a problem. So they call the TI over, their own instructor, and they say, we've tried talking to Steve. He is not listening. He insists that this guy is smaller than me. So he's like 
under 5'10". I was going to say, they don't know what they look look like. super skinny. He asked for size 13 boots. And he That's put, big, right? Yes, very big. I'm size nine. <laughs> it's very I'm big. I'm a seven in boots. Yeah. You have little feet. It's ve- Well, guys and females, different sizes. These are men's sizes. No, oh, well then, okay. slow the fuck what? <laughs> Stop flexing your foot size on me, I guess. Weird um, flex, but okay. Yeah, it's a weird flex. Weird flex of the day. So he's flopping around with these clown boots on. <laughs> and he goes over to the clothing issue. So the drill instructor yells at him. He's like, Steve! Does that look like it fits your feet? The guy's like, yeah, yeah, yes, yes. So he had a massive stutter. So the drill instructor just goes down to where the boots are. And he's like, do you feel my finger? Because he's putting it through the freaking threads trying to poke them. And he's like, no. He's like, then they don't fucking fit your feet. <laughs> and so, so he makes him swap the boots. He goes back to doing what he's doing. And we go over to the clothing issue side. Well, good old Steve tells him that he needs extra, extra large in all sizes. And so he's standing there with this super fucking baggy clothes on. And the drill instructor sees him and he's like, I just see him sigh and then walk (laughs) over. And he's like, Airman Basic Steve, what are you doing? And he's like, I get get in my clothes. He's like, do those fit you? Is that comfy? He's like, yes. He's like, this fits you. And then he just grabs the slack of the coat and flaps it back and forth. (laughs) And he's like, yes. And he's like, no, it doesn't. And he's like, give him this size, this size, and this size. I think it was all like small and medium. Yeah. So he gets his uniform, whatever. So that was the first Steve. The end of Steve was about three weeks later, Steve's just done that kind of Steve thing every oh my fucking God. day. So the last final straw, like Steve was already like, they were talking about getting him out of there. He is not adapting. Some people fail to adapt, so... Uh, they call it failure to adapt. They let you go. There's no harm, no foul, all that stuff. Yeah, it's not like when you pretend to commit suicide. We get, yes. We get Literally up, pretend to get out. Yeah. We get up. Yeah, people do crazy stuff. In case you never know, it is amazing what people think works to get out, and they just end up being forced to stay longer. Oh my God, or, like four times longer than if you yes. just fucking did yeah, it. Yeah, if you had just, yeah. People are idiots. That's all I can yes. say. So anyways, so about three weeks later- we're all meeting up fucking O Dark 30 to do uh, PT out on a, we, the, we called it a grinder. It's the freaking asphalt underneath our dorms. At 1230 at night? I just, I just use O Dark 30 as in there's no sun. Anyways. No, I know. But was it actually 1230 at no, night? No. So why didn't you give the real time? Because that's just like a slang for saying there's no sun out. It's fucking middle of the we night. We could have said 0400. Oh, my God. I'm just saying. I because if you are forced out of the barracks at twelve thirty at night, that's a punishment. But if it's just for oh four hundred, that's just PT in the army. I gotta know which one it is. What service am I? Was I in? I don't know what it was yeah. like then, though. So we were out earlier than okay, normal. Clip up until this point. Yes, we were out earlier than normal, but not astronomically. It was, it was like the sun wasn't coming up for a couple hours. Okay. So we're all out there. We're all formed up waiting for the drill instructor. To just do PT? Yeah, he told us to be out there. So we were out there waiting for him. He shows up. We all notice that Steve is not out there. And so he's like, where is Airman Basic Steve? And nobody knows. Uh, One guy's like, the whole sir, Airman Basic, whatever reports is ordered. I believe he's still in the barrack. So the drill instructor just breathes in real deep. And he goes, Steve, as loud as he can. We are outside of the building and we hear this. So our dorm was the second floor. There were stairs that came out. Was it an actual building? Because we lived in trailers. Yeah, it was a building. Okay. Uh, so this, 
we had an overhang. Our dorm overhanged over our exercise area. Got it. So when you come out the side door, there's a pillar just past the the building that you know for support mm-hmm. that you could go on either side of to get to where the the thing is. But there's only like a couple feet where you can see the thing. So here, and the drill sergeant's still like, "You better get your ass here now!" Whatever the crap he said. So the door comes open. The drill instructor sees Steve. Steve's still in his, like, fucking, like, not even ready. Like, he's got his shoes in his hand. And he's like, Dave! As soon as he comes out of the door, Steve goes full-fledged, full attention. That's where your arms are at your side, rigid. Legs, too, but had so much momentum that he skipped past the pole and came out the other side, standing at attention. Needless to say, he was gone the next day. Oh, man. But the sight of him skidding past the pole, <laughs> I cannot forget to this day. So That's I have amazing. A, I have a non-boot camp story if you want to think of one. Sure. I feel like I have so many boot camp stories. Yeah. The craziest shit happens it, it in boot really, camp. It's so nuts. Even in the Air Force, it's nuts. I had one time, I had, they give you bullshit duties in case you want to know, but you have to keep the whole place clean with these shitty duties. Mine was stair scrubber. So I had to scrub scuffs off like there, there could be no scuffs. And if you didn't know, back then we had black boots that we had to polish. So there was polish everywhere all the time because there's a bunch of dumb fucks going up and down the stairs all day long. So I was the stair cleaner. And twice while I was there, I and my fellow stair cleaner were scrubbing the polish with little toothbrushes and a little cloth. Because, of course, they want you to do it the most painful way possible. The drill instructor comes in, stomps upstairs. He tells us both to keep working. Goes in there and we hear just this loud commotion yelling. And then boom, boom, as he's throwing over every single bed. Oh, God, that's so normal. And then, yeah, I know. And But then, but we were outside. So we're just like, and he's telling them that they all better have it fixed and done within an hour and all this other shit. And he comes stomping out and he's like, keep working. And then presses on. So the whole time we're doing that shit, we don't have to do any of that crap. That's amazing. Yeah, you it lucked was. out. I was like, oh, thank you, God, little stare. Here, I'll get you scuffed. We'll spend an extra hour on you. Uh, flipping beds was the worst because yes. you had to do all the hospital corners yes. on the beds and stuff. Oh, God. We had to send our clothes out for cleaning. Yep, we yep. didn't, like, weren't allowed to use the washer dryers, right? Mm-hmm. Which kind of sucked. You thought it would be nice, but yeah. it sucked because half your shit's gone. Yep. You're re-wearing a lot of dirty clothes. Mm-hmm. Well, when it would come back, they would have safety pinned tags to the clothes. Mm-hmm. So some people safety pinned their sheets to the bed to help hold the fold better, right? Oh. Genius, unless you got caught. Yep. Well, so I remember one time they started flipping beds because you know some shit was fucked up. And they, by a miracle, did not notice that some of the beds they flipped, the sheets didn't come off. Oh, wow. Because they were fucking safety pinned, but all the blankets flying covered mm-hmm. it up. But I remember all of us just like standing there at fucking parade rest like, Don't see, don't see. Please, don't see. God. Because, you know, if, <laughs> if if one person does it, everybody's fucked. Yep. That's the yep. thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a punishment for all. Oh, yeah. For sure. Which is definitely after getting out while being in the military as a coach. <laughs> I have changed my philosophy a little bit, and mm-hmm. I definitely enact all the things that they do. Yeah, I know. It's pretty terrible. God, it when people would be late waiting for formation to go to lunch, and they'd drop everybody in the front-leaning rest, which is the push-up position, and you'd be all there, and they'd have everybody chant while we're conditioning, like, hurry up, waiting on you. Yeah. Oh, God. Bad, bad, good memories. I have one linguist memory to tell. This is the first subordinate I ever got, so when I uh, promoted to staff sergeant, I got to Hawaii after all the training. I got my first subordinate was a linguist and this is where i got my real true have you in- told me this one before i probably did were they sub pro 
No, no, this has no, nothing not to do with okay. the language skill. So that I signed for this guy because we had to sign a form saying we're taking him. And as soon as I was done signing. <laughs> Which is so funny. Yeah, I'm taking this property person. Yeah. As soon as I finished signing, they were like, oh, by the way, you have to go take him to the commander tomorrow to get his Article 15. Which in the Air Force, that's a big deal. Article 15. Article 15s are bad. Yeah, they're bad even in the Army, but the Army collects them. They're bad them everywhere. Like, yeah, but the Army gets them. Like, you can get them and recover easily. Air Force. Not so much anymore. It has changed a little, but okay. yeah. But the Air Force, it's definitely a huge black mark on your your career. But I'm like, really? You just made me sign for a guy who's freaking getting an Article 15? So I'm like, what did he do? And they're like, well, dereliction of duty, lying to an officer. And I'm like, what What happened? So it turns out this fucking knucklehead, he was a Chinese linguist because I was Chinese linguist. He had went over to China for language training and they had assigned tutors with them. Yeah, they assign you some student tutors from a different school and they help you kind of like do cultural activities and study and all that stuff. He fell in love with this tutor. <laughs> You did tell me about him. Yeah, so he fell in love with this tutor, and when he came back, he really wanted to like plan to get out and get away, you know, go back to be with her. And he called. I'm shocked that never happens in the military. <clears throat> yeah, so he called her once, and her roommate had picked it up and picked up the phone and said, and literally as manifestly as possible, "Oh, she's dead. Don't call again." And, and hung up and he was devastated he didn't take that for what it obviously was he was devastated he was like so heartbroken he was arguing with the unit that he wanted to go back to china to console her parents uh it was a real shit show so he ended up lying to the officer who was running the mission saying he had to go to medical and he was just going home he did it like three or four times they finally busted him yeah that's a big thing this is the kicker this guy had fell in love with this Chinese tutor over in China and he wanted to go be with her and it really mattered, was married already. Oh, yeah. This fucking idiot was trying to go live in China with his new love and he was actually still married, which is really bad in the military, by the yeah, way. Yeah, you can get charged with adultery. Yes. So that was my first subordinate in my introduction to linguists versus mechanics where... You know, yeah, he punched a guy he shouldn't have. How did he figure out she wasn't dead? Wasn't there like some other part of the story? I think no one, nobody verified it for him. Oh, they pretty much all called him a complete dumbass for even believing it. That's when I was like, oh, I'm really in for it, aren't I? And I've had more. I've had plenty of subordinates where I'm just like, ooh, man, this was a piece of work. Oh, so there's this guy in my unit in Maryland. Um, By the way, we're just kind of heading into bullshit zone. So if you're here for actual tips. Yeah, we're done. Yeah, we're I mean, we'll cut most of this. So this is the guy. He He's mixed and he total narcissist. But he decided to get this surgery to permanently alter the color of your eyes. I told you about him. Yes. So it's not allowed in the US or Britain. It's like not FDA cleared. Oh, shit. So you can get it in India. And what it is, is it's it's like the same surgery as like cataracts or something Uh where they basically make a slit in your eye and put in a con, like a permanent contact. So it's not like it's changing your iris. It's like a color contact. So he tries to get this approved to go and get the surgery. Well, you have to get your medical stuff when it's not done by the military cleared. Mm -hmm. And then that travel has to get cleared and he had a security clearance. Yep. So they don't approve his travel and they don't approve the medical procedure and he goes and does it all anyway. Oh, my God. So, and it's not subtle. The dude's mixed, and he got bright gray. And you're not allowed to wear color contacts in the military, right? Yep. I mean, you. I remember I saw him, and I didn't know this story, and I was like, what the fuck is he wearing in his... I mean, it was fake. Yeah. And he got in so much trouble. Oh, I'm sure he did. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't even, I know he got demoted because he'd just gotten promoted. And, you know, making sergeant 
as yeah. a linguist was really hard at the time. Yeah. And he just, so he got demoted and all this other shit, right? Well, so I didn't tell you the rest of the story. So somewhat recently, Amber told me he was on an episode of, you know, that MTV show where you like go on the date and it's like you're on a date and depending on how long you last, you can either get another date or get money. He went on a fucking episode of that after he got out of the military. Oh my God. And I was like, no. (laughs) So she sent me and Kinder like the YouTube link and we watched it and it's so awkward and it painful to watch but i remember her being like oh my god your eye color is so unusual and him being like oh yeah thanks and i'm just like yelling at youtube it's It's fake fake. you dumb fuck (laughs) that's intense so that brings me one more story this is a vehicle maintenance story so i have a lot of those but this one's my favorite i was two years in maybe we got a brand new airman and he had been barely working with us for a while this is the guy who was supposed to go to a training and thought they were just going to call him. So he stayed home for a whole month waiting for a call. <laughs> that's not even what my story is, but that's just to give you an idea of this level of dumbassery. He thought they were going to call? Yeah, so he's going to go into a, what we call first-term airman center. Somebody said something like, no, we don't have an open for you now. You'll have to wait till you get called up. He took that as you are actually going to call him. So he went back to his dorms and he stayed there. We thought he was in first term airman center. Because, Which is like a place that you would yes, go. Right. Like we, UTDY. That's where, that's where we, well, there it was at ba- on base. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so he just ditched. But we thought that's where he was. That's like he was, AWOL. He was technically. Yeah, I don't know what happened with that, but somehow he stuck around. I believe his level of dumbassery let him get away with it. But he did get in a lot of trouble. But he's I'm that, shocked. That level of an idiot. Usually the military loves it when you just blow shit off and hide. Oh, yeah. So I was a vehicle mechanic. My The master sergeant, which is a higher ranking enlisted person who ran the, our entire shop, was the stereotype of military. Loud, like super, super crusty and old, mm-hmm. like that old crusty like F-bombs all the time. Just like, so he was always, he's like a real brash guy. So we're all sitting in our day room waiting for him to show up to do our nine o'clock briefing. This guy comes in, he sits down and my buddy- The next, one that ditched for the month? Yeah, the one okay. that ditched for- So he comes and sits down. This is later after that, probably two or three months. He comes and, and sits- And they don't know he ditched, right? No, they did. They found They did at this yeah, point. Yeah, they got all kinds okay, of trouble okay. for it. I think he was still on like extra duties and shit mm-hmm. like that. He comes and sits down and he sits like next to me, but across from my buddies, like on the other side of the table. And my buddy's like talking and he just stops in the middle of his conversation. He looks at him and goes, dude, what the fuck is with your eyes? I turn and look. He's got fucking snake contact lenses in. <gasps> Yellow eyed snake contact lenses. So that it like changes your pupil shape? Yes. Oh my and God. And the color. So in comes the master sergeant and we're just like, boy. You know, we don't need to say anything because he's in. So the master sergeant in the middle, like, here's what I fucking want you to do. You're going to do this, this, and this, and this. And I don't want to hear any fucking shit about this, whatever. He goes, we need to get this vehicle out of here. And I, everybody needs to leave the room right now except for you. And so we're all like, the door hadn't even swung closed. And he starts like, what the fuck is in your eyes? What the fuck am I looking at right now? You cannot be so fucking stupid. That you would think you could come here with just the fucking like 15 minutes of him tearing into him because he wore snake eye contact lenses. How stupid are yeah. you? Why did he? No, there's no explaining it. It's so rare to meet such a dumbass in the military. I mean, you will, but yeah. it's like. You know, the military has such a high tolerance for dumbassery. Yes. So when you run into somebody who. They're so stupid that, then. Like, how did they get past? 
It's like basic training. You remember that guy? So I helped a lot of people with resumes. I yep, said yep. there was one dude who submitted a resume for like check um, pre-pub. But we'll yep, cut. Yep, yeah, yep. he submitted it for check and it was so poorly written that they were like, someone has to look over this. And then he did it again. And the people who he submitted to were like, you are not allowed to submit this again. A supervisor must see this and submit on your behalf because we're not wasting our fucking time with you, right? Nice. That supervisor reached out to me and I was like, yeah, I can help with this. I rewrote the dude's entire resume, right? And I submitted. And on it was NSA, the National Security Agency. This kid, instead of submitting the corrected resume that I did for him, tweaked it. Oh, no. One of the things he tweaked... Oh, and then submitted it, and they said, you're not allowed to do it again. Yeah. Like, he was not allowed to submit a resume. Yep, yep. He changed National Security Agency to the Nationwide Security Administration. Oh, my God. And then he wrote Colonel the Rank as, like, the corona around the sun. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's, like, the level of dumbass. And he didn't get kicked out. He just was that stupid. So we should note that when we talked about the Intel career field and all that, like, you know, you have to think a certain way, whatever. Well, he wasn't a linguist, I will say that. We don't normally accept that level of stupid. But even still, you have one set of skills doesn't mean you have the rest of them. (laughs) So true. So, so many linguists aren't able to life to save themselves. Like I just, uh, it's the stereotype. I'm pretty of, sure he was like a uh, Lima or a Quebec. Uh, but yeah, it tends to be the stereotype of a uh, book smart but not world smart. True. Like there's an element of that with all of us, but there were some of them that were just bad. It was really bad. Like, uh, didn't you, shower you enough. Definitely need to be spoon fed for the rest of your life. Yeah, some of those really needed the military and should have stayed in and did yeah. worked out well for well, him. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Ugh, I feel pretty good. How about you? Yeah, I think we did a pretty good job covering just about every goddamn thing we could randomly think of. Yeah, I know we'll clip a lot of that. but yeah. So we talked about this before. We can follow us on Instagram. Yep. But also, if you're a military member or a vet or a family member of one and you want advice or you have questions. Or if you're just curious. You want to tell a fucking story, whatever, Like, feel free to reach out to us on any of our platforms. You can email us, nerds at nerdsandnormies.com, spell out the and. DM us on Instagram, anything. Yep. Like we said, we're part of that community. Yep. And, you know, I identify first as a veteran before yep. pretty much anything else. So any advice I can give someone, I'm always more than happy to give my time for that. Absolutely. It, it's shaped who we are, and we're more than happy to provide as much assistance as we can. If you have a funny story, just let us know if you don't want us to share it. Yes. Because we might want to share it if it's super funny. Oh, yeah, for sure. Otherwise, I'll just laugh because... Yeah. I mean, we're more than happy military. to not share it too because then we could just chuckle and say, oh, we know that guy. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And if you're in the state of Minnesota and you want some veteran friends, we've only got us. So... <laughs> yeah. There's <just> two. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, next week, we're going to be... The next episode. Not next yeah, week. Next, the next go. episode, uh, we're doing a fun one that's real short on yep. Kill Bill. Yep. And we're bringing Dale back for that one. And then we have planned the future. We're going to take a look at some things like the Matrix series and... Mm. Ready Player One, the book and the movie, yep. Studio Gilby films, all types of things. Yeah, We have a, a lot lined up and we're excited to do all of them. We feel a little re-energized and now that we can kind of like do it in person again, uh, I I feel good that the podcast will get back into a rhythm that we can deal with. Yes. And if you are a K-pop fan, I would love to have some more friends to reach out. Yeah. I'm not allowed to make fun of her with the K-pop anymore. So. Yeah. Oh, I did have a funny story, but I'll have to tell you next episode about K-pop and ARMY. Okay. Yeah. But 
All right, that that wraps up our episode on on military lifestyle and transitioning and all that. Uh, everybody, take care. See yeah, you, bitches. thanks for listening. Bye.